You can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. Oh my God, my mother called me after she, well, she, my mother actually, she babysat for me. Uh, okay, baby. she knew what was going down. She yeah. came <laughs> and she hung out with the kids uh, while I went to Brooklyn to do the video. So I had already told her and I was like, she's like, what's the video about? And I told her, she was like, oh my God, she <laughs> thought it was hilarious. And she's like, you're so scandalous, but she is very tongue in cheek. <laughs> but this is the woman who also signed me up to do workshops when I was a teenager about safer sex and was giving me con- So she was like, all right, you know? And so I, when I showed her the video and she was like, she called me back. She was hysterical because she thought it was so funny, but it was so good. And then she was singing the, the hook. So, so she loved it. <laughs> Just wanna clean up a bit off the side. I'm on my back, legs and a butterfly. Want something new, so I give this a try. Let the strip rip and I wanna die. Since I was so very much looking forward to this conversation, I also saw your most recent vlog post. <laughs> that was fun. Oh my god. In May, I did a thing. It started in April when I saw an open casting call for a music video for the artist known as Miss Eves. Miss Eves is a creative dynamo that puts out these amazing body positive anthems in which showcases all manner of amazing humans of any and all shapes, sizes, ages, and color. Society may have a hard time seeing women in anything more than one-dimensional tropes, and I may not be able to slay those tropes in society single-handedly, but I can do it at home. By showing my children, I'm not just mom. I'm a layered, complicated, intelligent human being, that my personhood, anyone's personhood, is not defined by any one thing. If they learn that at home, then they will not ever question the humanity of any person. Alicia Lucas. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a struggle, you know, and then uh, my I wasn't raised like that. My mother, she was a woman, a young woman, barely just about to turn 20 when she had me. So she was working and then my father and her divorce and I was really young and she was still really young. And so she was doing her thing. It was the seventies into the eighties. Yeah. I saw it all. Like she was very much my mother, but then she was very much like she loved to party. Like she was in that. (laughs) That's who she was. It's funny because my sister didn't see that. So when my mother tells stories, she, my sister's 15 years younger than me. She's a, she's a grown woman, but still when my, when my mother tells stories of like the things that she did in the past, a lot of them, like I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. And my, and my sister's like, oh, pearl clutchy, like mom. <laughs> and I was like, girl, that's nothing. That is yeah. nothing. <laughs> and you know, my mom was rah-rah, Puerto Rican from New York City. Like, yes. You know, and, and then she worked in corporate America. So she was straddling that whole thing in the 70s and the 80s. Uh-huh. So she was like a very dynamic, and she still is. Uh, but then, you know, she left the workforce. And with my sister, she became my, she was like at home baking and doing ah, part of the PTA. And I was like. Traditional mom thing then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so she's just like, so I remember that. And that's how I grew up. And I was just like. That's just how I know to be a mom. Even though I witnessed my mom be a different mother to my sister. I was already 19 and 20. So that was already formulated. Yes. I just couldn't imagine not being my full self. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like 
the way that you were raised or the way that your mother is, especially mm-hmm. or was when you were younger, do you feel like that has any sort of impact or it informs in a sense? I feel like how can it not? But I'm wondering whether you see if and how it informs your parenting style. Absolutely. And in and in, in a very like, you know, when we there are things that my mother did as uh, just because that's what parenting was back in the day that I don't do. But she always parented me the way she felt she should parent me no matter what. So that aspect of my parenting comes through from her. And then she, she'll bite her tongue and she tells me like some of the things you, the way you choose to parent, I just, I have to bite my tongue um, because that's not the way I would do it, but I'm not the parent, you know? Yeah. So she's really good at that. But I got that aspect of parenting from her. She's going to, she was going to be who she was as a mother to me and to my sister, no matter what everybody else was doing. And some of it fell in line with what everyone else was doing, but some of it didn't. So that's what I got from her. Yeah. And she was always really supportive. Like always. I mean, we got into our fights and our, and our sure. disagreements because, you know, especially when we become women with our mothers and it's two women in the house, it's <laughs> tough. But I think the, the way I was raised in the relationship I had with my mother and because I saw her as a full human being and not just mom, now we're really good friends. Like my close, she's one of my closest friends. She's my, she's absolutely my mother. And I have that kind of respect level for her. Um, She's my elder and I defer to her in some things, but she's also my friend. And I can speak to her honestly, when I see things in her life that I'm like, mom, you're going to have to like figure this out and change this because it's not working for you. But the only reason I'm able to do that was because of how I was raised. And she modeled that for me. And that's what I want with my children. I want to be able to have that relationship as adults to them to not be like, oh, you know, and look at me as mom, just mom, just be able to be like, I can have this conversation with my mother. Yes. You know, they don't have to come to me. I don't, I mean, I shouldn't be, but that they they can, they can. And they feel like they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really um I think that's a goal that a lot of us are oriented towards like the now and the later, who my children are now, how I'm influencing or getting in the way of or supporting their day-to-day but also that they are people that I'm looking to develop long-term healthy relationships with. So of right. course the now, how I deal with them now is going to inform that too. Right. And, and I right. feel like a lot of times we don't we don't really see that, Alicia, like we're so focused on, you know, what we can do for them to make sure that they're good in adulthood, whatever that means, mm-hmm. that we kind of trample on so many of the aspects of them now with that thing in mind, you know, you're, you're looking so far past who they are now over to who they could possibly be. Right. And I, I always use the analogy of like, if my partner, if Chris was like, you're such a great person, but man, if you got this, when you get this degree or when you then, then you're going to be great. Like that's how we approach them now, which I think is a part of what makes it so hard for some children to talk to adults about the specific things that are happening. They don't feel like they can come to us because we don't even see them. We're seeing who we think they could possibly be. Right, right. We're not coming at them with like, this is the person in front of me and accepting them 
as as you come, right? This is who you are right now. And I can have all these ideas in my head. Like I do. I have all these grandiose ideas of what what and who my children can be just by looking at how they are. But that's something that I I play close to the chest. Like that's that's my shit. That's my stuff. But at the same time, I feel like it's a fine balance too, because sometimes what happens is we think that what we're doing is encouraging them by saying certain things because they'll be like, I really like robotics or I really like to listen to music or whatever. And then we say things like, Oh, if you, if you do this, this and this, then you, and it feels like, then they're just, I feel like that kind of just shuns the like, Oh, well, well, I guess I'm not good at it yet. I have to turn it into this thing. We curriculize it basically. Right. Right. I catch myself on that all the time, all the time. And it's just like, you know what? That's great that you like music. Let's see how far you want to take it. You let me know. What do you want to do? You let me know. I love that you said that. And then we can also strew, right? We can Mm -hmm. also place different things in the environment that support that interest because we do that all the time. That's how the girls got further and further sage in particular into art because we're doing things. So you still, that's why I love that you use the term that there is a balance. You Mm -hmm. know, I like the term harmony because Yes, there there's stuff they're interested in and we can strew, but then there's times where we go right back to the schoolish mindset. I know for me what I go to as an entrepreneurial minded person, oh you can make some money off that. <laughs> right? Let's do this. Yep. Yeah. And they're just like and they're like, Mom, okay. <laughs> Fall back. (laughs) Basically, because that's where my mind is like, you could be making $300 a week. And then I'm in this whole mode and they're just like, I just said that I like flowers. And and I'm like, you could sell those, you know, (laughs) right? They can, but also can can I live? Like, can I have my interest? And maybe it's nothing connected to flowers. Maybe I don't even like it after four days. So how do you work on this idea of accepting them as they are? Some of it sounds organic, like a part of it is just sort of like the environment that you were in and also who you are. But I know one of the specific things that I wanted to talk to you about are the differences in your children and that with Roxanne, and I can't remember what the personal pronoun is. Is it they or she or? I, I'm still catching myself. Roxanne likes to be called Roxanne. Okay. And if I use pronouns for for Roxanne I use they and they don't really get bent out of shape when I when I say she where they get upset is if I say hey can you girls and it's the four if it's the four it's not my son it's the four of them it's the three girls and Roxanne Mm -hmm. please don't call me girl and I have to catch myself so when I'm talking to the twins because Roxanne is one of the twins I can't I'll go hey girl Hey, twin, can you please come in? <laughs> ah. And it's very new for me. So, and I tell her, and my husband tells, tells them, please correct us every time. It's okay. Correct us. It's a constant of every single day without exaggeration, literally every single day. I will have to correct myself. But I feel and I hope, my hope is that when Roxanne grows up, by that time, I will have gotten my shit together and know, <laughs> and know how to address them. Address them, and, yeah. And they will know that, you know, I remember when this was first introduced to them and I first expressed these feelings that mom and dad worked really, really hard 
mm-hmm. and they did that work and they accepted me and they, yes. you know, like, that's what I want them to remember. I want that's them that to relationship thing yeah. again that we were talking about, right? Like they get the same way you recognize the things that your mother did for you. And it's not about them being perfect, just like it's not about us being perfect mm-hmm. as parents, but to be able to say, I'm building a relationship. The same way with my husband, you know, these moment by moment things are all things that impact the relationship. And I didn't realize that Roxanne was one of the twins. Yeah. So tell me, how old are the twins? The twins are seven years old. Ah. Soon to be eight. They're very, on September, they'll be eight. Okay. So they're basically eight. I'm calling Uh them seven, mom. (laughs) They're still at that age. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I'm seven and a half. So can you tell us a little bit about how that surfaced, Alicia? Like, did you recognize things in Roxanne early or are they just a type of child who's just really vocal and will be like, whether you recognize the shit or not, here's us going down. Like, what's the Roxanne story? Okay, so it's interesting because my oldest, Georgia, and I were talking about this. When we lived in Florida, she was, they were about, the twins were about two going on three. Mm -hmm. And Roxanne started wearing their brother's shorts and their brother's shirts. It's three, three girls, Roxanne and one boy, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then she was, it's the cutest thing. They went around saying, Roxanne went around saying, I guy, like I'm a guy. I guy, call me guy. This was her. At this two, was her and a half ish. two and a yeah. half. At that point, like I, that, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was five years ago. But the whole, for me, the whole gender non-conforming, gender fluid thing was not something I had heard of. But there was a lot, it was so interesting because there was a story that was really prevalent at the time of this family that happened to be really Christian and they had a transgender child. Mm. And I was like, okay. And just the process and how they were protecting that child because transgender I don't know, but it in my mind, because I have no real experience with it, so I, not to offend anybody, but in my mind, that is such a different journey, and it has, and I feel like the child has to be really protected, and you have to be really aware of what's going on because it's just not, it's just not in their heart. It's a physical thing, you know. Right. So you're helping them to navigate all right. of those things, all of those things, age when people are very much staring constantly because right. that's what people do with kids right yeah so I was thinking like well maybe maybe they're showing signs of that it's really or and I've read a little bit and they're like oh the the journals that I've read and stuff said that idea of transgender or when a child realizes that transgender doesn't happen till later on and I said okay well maybe it's the child just children don't care about gender they have a brother they like what their brother's wearing and I, just, I was like okay we'll just rock with this yeah older guy we let them wear whatever they wanted. And then that fell away. And then we moved to, I remember we moved back up north to the New York area. Mm-hmm. And we had to do some shopping because the weather was vastly different, right? <laughs> yes. We were in Tampa at the time. And um, they, Roxanne was in Old Navy in the boys, in the boys clothes section. Mm-hmm. Quote unquote, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and picked out mostly boy clothes. But then they gravitated back to very feminine clothes to this. And then the whole I guy thing, call me guy kind of fell away. And then recently in the last year and a half, she said to me, I don't want to be called a girl or a boy. I'm a human or Roxanne. 
this was about a year and a half ago. Roxanne or human or person. That was the other word or person. I'm a person. Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right, then that's what we're doing. And ever since then, we've been tra- we've been working on changing our language, never calling them girl, never calling them or boy. Mm-hmm. And in terms of their person, Roxanne is very expressive when it comes to fashion. They love accessories. They oscillate between really, really feminine and like head wraps and and, and jewelry and dresses. And then the next day, they'll have like button up shirt, really dapper, like the whole dapper look. Yeah. They oscillate back and forth. And that's that's how they feel for that day. And that's how they rock. That's so interesting to me because it, it just feels, you know, outside looking in like a level of access to authentic self-expression that many adults don't have, like understanding that you want to show up a certain way and then doing something about that. Mm-hmm. that that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you and your husband are observing this and is he, was he in the same space as you right away of like, okay, let's see what support looks like. Cause this is our kid or. Absolutely. From that time in Tampa on. I couldn't be married to anybody else. You know, I just, I couldn't have a partnership like this with anybody else because we get each other and we see eye to eye. There's never uh, let me sit down and discuss this with my husband and to get him on the same page. You know, he's aware. We talk about what's going on with the kids because he, he works outside of the home. So things happen during the day that we discuss afterwards, you know, and then, but he's never been, He's always been like, all right, this is what we're doing. This is my kid. And he was raised very much in an um, environment like that. that His parents were very much like, I'm very, very fortunate because my mother-in-law, my father-in-law passed away, but he was the same way. Um, My mother-in-law is very much the same way in that sense. That's wonderful. Yeah. So I don't have to explain any of this. Like, um, you asked earlier about the video, my, not even to my mother-in-law and, and when it comes to like the kids and how they identify and about who they are, I don't have to explain any of this to my in-laws or my mother. Like it's mm. not. That's great. You know that. And I know, know you know that. <laughs> yeah. I explain it to them in that it's a new concept for them. They're like, this is very all, they're very honest. It's a little weird. I don't know. For me, it's a little strange because it's always been a boy's a boy, a girl's girl. And specifically with my mom, I had that conversation. I said, well, has it always been like that? Or is it that there was no space given to people? I feel like what you see as all brand new is not that it's always been there. It's now that we are able to give space to that. And so when I explained to her that way, she was like, yeah, you're right. Cause you know, she thinks about things that she growing up in the fifties and the sixties was vastly different from when she was a young woman in the seventies and the eighties. And even as a woman now, how she, and she's seen the evolution of how just people have changed in their thoughts about different things. And she's like, that's probably right that it's always been there, but we've never allowed for it to be expressed. Yeah. So, and I think that's so, so true. Yeah. You know, we, we just haven't similarly when people talk about the level of racism that's going on in America and the government and blah, blah, and people are like, what, this is crazy. Like what is going on these days? I'm like what, what day? Where are you, right. like, where are you, 
Where have you been? Where have you been? What I don't understand. Like, right. like you're not talking like, to any adults you older mm-hmm. than you. Like what? <laughs> what? Right. Oh, this sounds like it's right in alignment with that sort of thing too. Where we know that I know for me coming from Jamaica to where you know it's still I believe that it's still illegal, but I know that certainly it's not culturally accepted. And then Jamaica is so much smaller. So the impact is a lot more direct and severe. And you do have a lot of prominent people who don't fit the, you know, gender or sexuality norms, but you better be prominent, you know, so that you Mm -hmm. can be safe. And even then, and so I, it, for you as a Puerto Rican, you know, as we talked about that similarity in terms of the Caribbean thing, it is such a blessing because my partner is also very, with our daughters, so far, it hasn't been about like gender, but there are all these other weird things that they have where Chris and I are like, okay, so what mm-hmm. does that mean? What do we say? What are, you know, like, how does this work? We're, we're, we're learning with them. Like the right. whole family is unschooling and de-schooling and learning and growing. And it sounds like that's what's happening in your household too. Yeah. And which is interesting. And he'll talk, he talks about that. He's the, the, the culture of uh, black Americans and black people in general, like in the Caribbean and stuff, the culture that is like steeped, unfortunately, in homophobia and misogyny at times is so toxic Definitely. and how this is a space. I'm so happy that my children have a space where there's a, a, a man, there there's a black man that is modeling the way as to not be that way. It, it's not, it's like, it has to be an issue because the whole, we have to prepare our children to navigate the world Mm -hmm. we have to help not even prepare them we have to help them try to figure out how to navigate this right right themselves Um, in the world themselves right Mm -hmm. and so we have to be that pillar and we have to be we're not at the point where they could just go ahead and tell everybody who they are and how they are home needs to be that place it really does The show notes page for today's episode is raisingfreepeople.com forward slash eight six. Be sure to go there to check out today's guests contact information, as well as some resources related to this topic. No matter how much revolutionary work you do and how much work for the people that you do, if you don't unchain yourself from those ideals, which I see, I feel like those for some reason is really hard. Those particular ideas around yeah. gender and sexuality. For sure. If we can't break away from all of it and we hang on to any one little bit, then we don't have a chance. We're not going to be the liberated Absolutely. people we want to be. Yes, because the oppression is supported and reinforced and systemic. So if it's showing up anywhere, then it it has that possibility and probability. That's why I keep saying that we can't keep using tools of oppression and expect to raise free people. I know it's catchy and everything, but I mean it like it's not it's I mean that anywhere that oppression is showing up and especially if it's in the safety of their home, then we are not only not protecting them, we're acclimating them to that shit, Alicia. Mm -hmm. We're acclimating them to it. Right now, what does safety look like for them? 
and for you and for your partner and for Roxanne's siblings? That's something that I, I struggle with because it's not just Roxanne. My son talked to me and my husband one day in the kitchen when he was 10 and a half, almost 11. He asked us, what's bisexual? And we were like, oh, bisexual means that you are attracted in a romantic way or maybe like even a sexual way to either gender. So you could be a boy and be attracted to men and be attracted to women. You could be Mm -hmm. a girl and it's the same thing. You know, you find you have crushes or whatever on either one. And it was like, oh, that's what I am. My daughter, my oldest, is part of this performance. It's like a whole performance art thing, and it's overnight, and it's like very, it's it's so it's so layered. I can't even talk to it. How talk old is about Georgia's thirteen? Okay, we attended the first performance, which was in August of last year at Ransom's Island, and it was an overnight thing, and there was discussion, and this man was talking about being able to speak to his truth and how hard it is, and my son came out to everybody right there. He's like, you have to just be who you are and love who you want to love. I mean, he brought the house down. And and so it's not just Roxanne, it's my black son. So we surround ourselves with people that will help us protect them and guide them. There are lots of people in our lives that are part of the LGBTQ community. And it wasn't like, we didn't seek them out. We just, these are the people that, um, and they're part of every, Like we have a vast, very diverse group of friends and village that really help us with, with our children. That's Um, awesome. We need that. So, (laughs) yeah. So it's, but it's a struggle. I worry. Like, I don't know what, I want them to be able to be themselves and I never want to tell them you have to hide it. But sometimes I feel like you can't just tell everybody right now, like, Mm -hmm. You have like to any other bit of information. Yeah. Right. You have to be selective on who you tell. And right now I actually want to, um, I actually want to bring my children into the LGBTQ community even more. Like I'm looking for spaces and I, I've, I've heard that uh, in Newark, there are some good spaces that are open to all people of all ages. Ah. That's the other thing that ageism is not just about older people people it's about you and children how like you know I have a seven-year-old who's gender non-conforming and I have a 12-year-old boy who is bisexual and they need a space they need a space yes and And you're not 17 when you need a space you need it as soon as you need it I am not a part of the LGBTQ community I don't live that I don't they're my children and I want I need other people I I need to outsource that I need help So that's, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to find, they can get mentors on this road because there's going to be things that they're going to go through in adolescence that I'm not going to be, I might not be, I might not, maybe I am, I don't know because we haven't gotten there, but I may not be equipped to deal with. Yeah. And I want, I, I want people there for them. Like I'm not that, I'm not that, you know, parents can be very like prideful in that way. Mm-hmm. Like nobody else can raise my kids or help in any way other and than none me. of us can do that that's that's really unfortunate i think when i hear that it makes me sad because it does take a village and as wonderful as you can be as a parent and as deep as you love them 
they're just things, just personality, life experience wise that other people can give them that even if I could give a little bit, it's going to be way better coming from auntie, whoever, cousin, whoever, right. blah, blah. And I, I want that. I want right. that for them because that's how you, that's to me how I can give my kids the world. Right. So we don't right. have a lot of money. We don't have those things, but we, we are able to give them so much because of the communities that we cultivate and the relationships that mm-hmm. they end up cultivating that ain't got shit to do with us, but right. it's helping us because, because right. <laughs> they're growing from it. Right. And I also, I feel like I need a mentor because I, I, there I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I need a mentor in this. Like I need somebody to tell me, listen, you can't, that, that's not how you say this how you go about this because I may be thinking I'm so look how woke I am (laughs) because dot 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 and I I don't want to say anything out of pocket like it's gonna happen like I'm not trying to be perfect no but I get what you're saying like why not educate yourself and why not have that support so are there have you looked at support groups like parenting support groups online or like I haven't looked at parenting support groups because I you know sometimes I forget that I, I should look at support groups for myself I've been looking at there are places that I just haven't gotten to like our schedules have been such and now over the summer I think I want to just take them to the spaces and, and introduce them. these are my kids and this is who yeah. we are and this is my son and this is my my Roxy you yeah. know and we're just looking for you know, a community where they can, they can talk to people like them, you know, but I, and I feel like I probably could find support Support. and a community where I could go and speak to people um, that are parents that have, have navigated this and can. Exactly. And they will probably know some of the spaces too, or maybe actually know some of the spaces where, you know, where they can be. And it's, it, it makes it difficult because I have five kids. So we run 13 to seven years old. Oh, so <laughs> I do not, I, a lot of people are like, oh, you're not part of any co-op. Um, we are. Have, have, we are a co-op. And part <laughs> of that is that it's, they're, they're segregated by age. And if that's too much. Foolishness, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like logistically, if I get. Yeah one set of kids to something where are you going to put the other ones right then we lose out and the kids don't have time to do they're they're busy being bored as I shuttle the other kids and it's so ridiculous because we know that doesn't make sense because as adults my friends vary I'm 40 some of my friends are in their late 20s some of my friends are in their 60s right you know a lot of us don't even know each other's actual ages we just know you know by other cues right so, like why it's just ridiculous and all this stuff is supposed to prepare them for adulthood where right. nothing that happens yeah. and and it's and it's really frustrating in the homeschool world so I, I I've done I've done work in making my own thing and putting together my own thing like for instance there's this place called the Newark print shop it's amazing I love them they are all about the, the art of printing like I think I saw that on your Instagram yeah yeah yes yeah Yeah, and um I went to them about a a homeschool print club because they do a print club for the whole community all ages but I wanted more I'm not an artist and this was a way to get them into an art class and they were like really interested in it Mm -hmm. we visited the print club on several occasions so I got together Newark print club and it was from ages five to thirteen and they were all in one group together and they yeah. all did the same things and they all learned and it was all challenging for them. You know, of course the older ones were a little more intricate, but it's, it, they all learned the same 
And, you know, it was the best. And um, we're hoping to continue it right now. Let me let me let's say this. They they are being uh, asked to leave the space that they're in. Unfortunately, oh, mm. and so there might not be a homeschool print club for the fall because they'll be in the middle of trying to pack all the equipment. They ha- they're trying to find a space. So if anybody listening in Newark knows a space that they can use that's affordable, contact the Newark print shop yeah. because it's an important aspect. And I'll make sure that we put that on the um, show notes page too. Yeah, and we're hoping to continue it as soon as we can again. And um, Good. Yeah, so those are the things that I think about. I, you know what? I put this out into the universe when I first started listening to you. I was like, I am going to meet Akila. <laughs> we are going to talk, and we're going to have these great conversations. And here we are. So clearly, I have uh, at Brick City Homeschool is my homeschool Instagram. And I want to make sure for folks listening, resources around parenting and community for gender non-conforming or, you know, LGBTQIA folks and families, send us some resources. If you're aware of things that are digital or Jersey-based, let us know. I would love that. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you. Don't forget resources, connections, all that good stuff. Raisingfreepeople.com forward slash eight six. Join me again next week. I'll be talking to a couple folks about independence, actual independence. Um, And we're also going to be catching up with Moji on episode two of Wellness Spiral. She's also giving out a few invitations to us for the Wise African Women Retreat next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So make sure you're listening. (laughs) And I appreciate you listening this week. Shout out to Alicia. If you didn't realize, you might have heard Alicia She was actually on episode, was that 81? As a part of the Homeschoolers of Color Collective, the event that she had with Takesha and Shanice in Jersey, that was on May 24th. Yes, it was episode 81. So be sure to go to raisingfreepeople.com forward slash 81. If you want to hear more about how Alicia gets down in community, if you haven't already, with um, Takesha and Shanice in New Jersey. And of course, you can reach out to her directly through the contact links on the show notes page. Talk to you next week. Enough love. This podcast is sponsored by brilliant, liberation-minded folks who are actively challenging privilege and power in their relationships with children and education. I invite you listening to join us over at patreon.com forward slash Akila for as little as $1 per month.